0: today on the daily scoop podcast from the scoop news group growing engagement in the federal workforce and a deia roadmap that can work for the whole federal government it's tuesday november 22nd 2022 welcome to the daily scoop podcast every afternoon you'll learn what's going on today in government i'm the host of the daily scoop podcast francis rose some programming notes you'll get a brand new daily scoop podcast again tomorrow and then we'll pause for Thanksgiving and be back on Monday, November 28th with a brand new show then. Tomorrow, the future of the EGOV Act as its 20th anniversary approaches and rethinking the future of the defense and national security workforce. That show will be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and always at TheDailyScoopPodcast.com. The number one CRM, Salesforce Customer 360 for Public Sector, is an integrated platform for public services. It features relationship management, case management, and lots more. You can learn more at salesforce.com government. The federal workforce is more engaged this year than last year, according to the new Federal Employee Viewpoint Survey data. That data includes several new metrics that connect with the president's management agenda. Angela Bailey is founder and CEO of Anunda Life. She's former chief human capital officer at the Department of Homeland Security. Angie, welcome. It's great to see you again. What jumped out at you uh, in this year's FEVS numbers? Anything struck you as particularly useful, uh, surprising, any of that? Welcome.
1: Well, first of all, thank you, Francis, for having me. It's always a pleasure to be on your show you know as I was reading the survey results I I think what maybe the thing that kind of I won't even say it surprised me I think the thing that I found validating is to say yes federal employees are engaged like it was so nice to actually see survey results that showed that yes we are engaged because that was my experience I get it that others may have had a different experience but my 40-year experience was I worked with some of the most dedicated professionals that were highly engaged and wanted to do a good job. And so I, it was it was refreshing to see a survey come out that kind of validated, you know, at least my experiences.
0: A couple of the highlights that I saw, the performance confidence index uh, remains high at 84%. That's the uh, view that employees have that their organization can achieve whatever the mission is that's laid out in front of it. Um, And I mentioned some of the new metrics that are there that that support the president's management agenda. There's a DEIA index. There's an uh, evaluation of innovation, a number of those kinds of things. If you're back in your old I'm not going to make you go back to your old job. I know you're retired (laughs) and you love it that way. But if you were to go back to that, what do you do with these numbers when they come out? How do you evaluate them to decide where you want to try to change things in an agency?
1: One of the first things that that I would do is like, I always tried to focus in on the positive, right? So we, we can spend a lot of time looking at all the negatives and trying to move, you know, something that's really poor up a few notches, or we could spend the vast majority of our time looking at, well, where are we incredibly innovative? And then let's get those folks up on stage and, and, or share in articles or a blog posts or, you know, one-on-ones, let's share them with people why and how they are so innovative, how they're able to achieve their mission, despite all the chaos that's going on around them. And so I, I've always believed that success breeds success. So if I was back in my old job, I would really strongly encourage leadership to like not be so focused on the 3% that quite frankly, are never going to get it, let's focus in on the 97%. They get up every single day to do the right job, to do the right thing uh, on behalf of the American public. And let's, let's really concentrate on making their experience the best that we can by sharing where we're successful across DHS.
0: That's an interesting observation, Angie, because I would say it's 12 or 15 years ago. I read a book by a personal development expert named Marshall Goldsmith. And he proposed that we spend way too much time focusing on our weaknesses and not enough time on our strengths. Um, For example, I will never be a point guard in the NBA, so for me to go out and shoot a bunch of hoops every day is not a great use of my time, but becoming better at what it is that I've decided I'm good at is the best use of time. And it sounds like what you're proposing there is an enterprise-wide way of looking at what an organization does well and figuring out how to highlight that and develop that and accentuate that.
1: Right. Capitalize on the good. They go after what is really good. I, you know, I'll just tell a short story and, and maybe it'll rub people the wrong way, but I, I remember I had an employee who came to me one time just when I was at OPM and she, you know, she was grumpy. She came in, she slammed my door. She sat down and she said, don't you want to know why I'm angry? Don't you want to know why, you know, I have a bad attitude? And I said, no, actually, I don't. Because my <laughs> guess is, is that you're angry and have a bad attitude at home, just the same as you do here. I actually want to spend my time with the folks that come in every single day with a good attitude. And like my thing to my employees was always this. Your job is to come to work with a good attitude. My job is not to destroy it once you get here, but I'm not responsible for everybody's morale in the whole wide world. Like at some point you have to take responsibility for your own morale and you have to take, you have to look in the mirror and say, what are my strengths? And then capitalize on those strengths because, and and again, capitalize on what your employees' strengths are as well, or you are as an organization. You know, FEMA is exceptional at responding to, you know, crisis and emergencies and things like that. That's what they capitalize on. That's why they're very good at it is because they just keep getting better at doing something that they're already phenomenally good at doing. Mm-hmm. And so that that's just been my philosophy in life personally and professionally. And so I'd like to think that, you know, I had some type of influence at DHS in driving us to really looking at what are we good at and just keep doing that even better.
0: Angie, one of the things that I didn't see uh, a particular reference to in the FEVs, and I haven't over the years, is burnout. And you and a couple of your colleagues have been writing about that lately. What are we not maybe doing well in the federal government community about thinking about burnout, uh, particularly regarding the way that one person's burnout affects the rest of the organization in which that person's placed?
1: Yeah, I think we've all got caught up in this idea that um, you know, that we can do more with less, that we can push, suck it up. You know, like I used to say, I was part of the suck it up buttercup right? The environment, because that's how, that's how you grew up. That's what you had to learn to do. And so you just kept pushing and pushing and pushing, which as a leader, then what that does, and I wrote about this in the article that spills over then to your employees, to your team, right? So your exhaustion becomes their exhaustion. And then that just continues on. And I mean, there's study after study that proves that like, that's not a very productive way of doing things. Like it is. And so culturally, I think it is the American way. Right. I, I do. I really do think it is in our DNA to really like make sure we establish the goals and we have strategic plans and we just push, 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 push. And this concept or thought of like actually just sitting down and taking a breath. And like not having your phone on and not checking your emails and not doing all these things, like somehow that's a sign of weakness. And instead, I think, and it took me a long time. Look, it took me a really long time to understand this, that like, no, it's not a sign of weakness. It's actually where your most creative moments come from is when you just Stop. That's why you have great ideas in the shower. That's why you have great ideas when you run, you know, and and things. It's because you've actually taken the time to just stop and take a breath and like, just, you know, let the creativity kind of flow. So, you know, I, yeah. And in the article, And I love working with BetterUp because it takes like real life, you know, my stories and it matches it with neuroscience. So it's no longer just this woo woo thing. It's no longer just an HR thing or it's not just a woman thing. It's actually backed up by science that says, look, folks, we the way we've been going at this for a really long time is counterproductive uh, to, you know, and, and we're able to back it up with science to show how counterproductive we are.
0: I had not heard of this site before I saw your piece, but you pointed me to it on LinkedIn, uh, and we'll put a link to it at the daily scoop Um, writing with Marissa Berman and Alyssa Manolescu. And the title is when the leader's cup runs dry how burnout undermines mission and how to fix it and i i love that cup analogy because of the old saying that you can't fill up somebody else's cup when yours is empty and that's when you when i go through this piece that's exactly what you and your and your colleagues are getting at
1: Yes, that's absolutely true. And and here's the thing is that I love that now we're at a time, a point in time where we can have these conversations. It is one of the things that I loved about with the DHS, you know, my six years that was there. And and again, it didn't matter who politically was in charge. It, you know, the leadership completely Understood this, um, especially like some of my colleagues in the law enforcement agencies, they began to understand that like that this is real. Not only is it real, it's impacting not just their employees, but it was impacting the people that they were trying to serve as well. And so, a lot of programs and things got put in place to actually address something that up until this point in time, I would say again, it was a badge of honor to to, to just push yourself completely to the limit to complete exhaustion, mm-hmm. not only for yourself, but, you know, again, for your team as well.
0: Yeah. it models for the employees too what their expectations are uh, it, when the leader behaves in a certain way, they uh, the employee, whether it's explicit or not, it's implied that that's what we expect the employees to do, too. If this is what the boss is doing and that I can't imagine how that leads to anything except everybody just completely burning out much, much faster than than they otherwise would.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, I, I say to folks these days now, whenever they ask me about, you know, work life balance, I hear about this all the time. I was like, look, you know, the, that line bleeds all the time. Right. And I say this every time I get the chance, whatever goes on at home comes to work, whatever goes on at work goes home. There's this bleed and I don't know that it's balanced, but I will say this. If you don't set your boundaries, like with your boss um, or your organization, if you don't set them, trust me the boss or the organization will set them for you. And so I I learned that it took a long time for me to learn that but once I learned it it was you know it was something that um I really tried to practice.
0: Angela Bailey, always love catching up with you. Thanks very much for your time today.
1: You're more than welcome. Thank you.
0: You can read more about the Fev's numbers in today's show notes, the Daily Scoop I'm Francis Rose, the host of the Daily Scoop Podcast. Salesforce is the connected platform that powers government health services. Salesforce helps public entities engage with their health constituents on a single intelligent platform to improve care outcomes from anywhere. Learn more at sfdc.co slash PSH. The Inspector General community has a roadmap now for advancing diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility in its offices. The Council of the the Inspectors General for Integrity and Efficiency has released the roadmap. Sandra Bruce is Inspector General at the Department of Education and chair of the SIGI DEIA workgroup. Jay Lerner is Inspector General at the FDIC and vice chair of the workgroup. Generals, welcome. Thanks for joining me today. General Bruce, I start with you. I've done a few IG reports in my time, so I imagine you started by uh, researching the landscape of where you where you were in the IG offices at the moment you began. What did you find when you wanted to assess how you were doing and what you were doing in DEIA issues across IG offices? Welcome, ma'am.
2: Thank you, Francis, and thank you for the question. So generally speaking, the IG community has really focused on the. Um, complying with the EEO type related um, aspects of diversity, the race, ethnicity, gender, and age, um, and making sure that we were reporting those requirements to the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. We realized that it's so much more to the diversity of people, um, more than what you see or typically think about, such as where we live, how we dress, our background, education, military service. So when we really started looking into the roadmap we knew that we really needed to focus on um, two main things, our people, the life cycle management of our people. You know, basically thinking about the people who are the assets of the work that we do, and then our, our stakeholders and partners. How are we going to make sure that we are providing the American public what they need as far as our oversight work while still taking care of our people?
0: the term sure. the term life cycle management of people ma'am that's that's a fascinating term because i think a lot of folks think about their people even hr folks think about their people from a recruitment retention training all those elements that's fair but it i imagine that term life cycle management of people is a lot deeper and a lot more complex than all of that
2: it it is it encompasses those areas that you mentioned, Francis. But because we know people are at the heart of what we do, we do want to make sure that they're having there's equitable practices that they are experiencing with, you know, staffing and hiring and recruitment, um, promotions and professional development, and even recognition and award. The happier the person, the more productive and innovative they're going to be, and the better served is the organization.
0: General Lerner, as you and your colleagues assessed where you were, what did you find that the community of IGs was doing well, and what did you find that the community of IGs could do better?
3: Well, thank you for having us, uh, Francis, and thank you for the question. Uh, Throughout the IG community, there are 75 IGs, and we found that the maturity level of diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility was very different at the different IGs, depending on the size, the mission, and the focus of, of each office. And uh, we really wanted to develop um, an awareness and a focus and attention around these DEIA issues and to be able to sustain that into the future. There had been some previous attempts in the IG community that really didn't sustain. And wanted we wanted to make sure that we built this uh, working group and the program so that it would last into the future and beyond our tenures and really be uh, synthesized and integrated into the OIG culture and the community.
0: General Lerner, how did you assess those maturity levels or was it necessary to assess a grade or a number or some, le- some measure of maturity? Or was the eye test enough to determine this is where we are and this is how we decide w- where we want to go?
3: The roadmap really lays out the different elements of the maturity and it's up to each OIG to assess their own maturity level and to uh, measure the progress that they're making from year to year or over time so that they can develop that maturity. And um, we've uh, developed um, ways to sustain the effort through the websites, through the roadmap, as you said, a compendium of all the IG work that has been done in DEI space, um, and our data survey, which we do every year um, to uh, compile the quantitative numbers, and then every other year, the qualitative assessment of individuals' um, uh, viewpoint of how they see DEIA in the community.
0: General Bruce, is there significance to the roadmap model? How did you decide that's the way you wanted to present this information?
2: Well, um, similar to what Inspector General um, Lerner said, to make sure that we have a a fair and equitable way to measure our progress, because of the size of the different OIGs and um, quite frankly, the commitment and the resources, we wanted to make sure that it wasn't a one size fits all, but it's an opportunity for every 75 member IG to advance.
0: There are a number of major points here. Continuous education, staffing, recruitment, and hiring, promotions and professional development, performance recognition and awards, business supplier diversity, stakeholder and partners, safe, inclusive, and uh, harassment-free workplaces, data collection assessment and reporting. That sounds like that gets at, General Bruce, that life cycle management of people that you talked about a few moments ago. How did you determine that those were all of the ones that you wanted to cover and that there were maybe others that were also important, but that you would stick with this group.
2: Well, the goal for the community is to become a premier place to work in the federal government. Right. And then reaping those benefits um, that I spoke of earlier with innovation, productivity and retaining top, top talent. Well, when you think about DEIA and having that vision and goal in mind, Those four areas, our people, our business, our workplaces and our progress, they were kind of like everything. We knew if we looked at those areas, we pretty much were gonna cover everything that we needed to help us carry out our missions effectively, take care of our people and provide innovative and productive products to the American taxpayers.
0: General Lerner, there's a section in this work about what DEIA means. Was there a common understanding or a common definition among the inspector general offices about what it meant before you began? Is that the reason that you thought it was necessary to include it? Uh, Or was there kind of a variation in understanding of what you were going for?
3: I think there was a variation in answer to your question. Um, I think it was important to have clarity around what we were aiming for and where, where the goals were for this roadmap. And we looked at a number of other sources to determine the appropriate definition, uh, particularly within the administration. They've defined the terms diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility. Prior to the roadmap, there, there had been various um, understandings of what those terms meant.
0: So the first four steps that that I mentioned a few moments ago, um, tell me, uh, uh, General Bruce, how you determined what should be in those steps, the how to get started section and and the, the pieces of this to kind of get folks started on this roadmap, ma'am.
2: Francis, it all goes back to leadership com- commitment and staff participation and engagement. We all have to do our parts. If we don't we're not going to successfully implement DEIA throughout the community. So asking folks to make sure that we have leadership and management um, commitment, making sure you understand where the resources are and how they're available to us. We knew that that was going to be the the beginning aspect of making sure that folks knew what to do to advance DEIA.
0: Those four steps are support, engage, educate, and data. Uh, I know th- uh, the first three are verbs and the last one is a noun. Is there a significance in the data piece of this?
2: I'm smiling, Francis. Thank you. That's what we call a hashtag seed. <laughs> and, and without data, we have no way of really understanding what we have, how we're going to make improvements, and how we're going to make progress. So data is really the real big portion of this that we really need to do that.
0: The senior leaders and managers uh, have uh, tasks and employees have tasks that they can pursue to, uh, to get this started, General Lerner. Um, how did you determine that those were the, the right steps that would apply broadly across offices, since you, you did mention uh, a few moments ago that each of these offices was in a different place when they began?
3: Well, it, as Sandra mentioned, it really uh, is incumbent upon all of us to contribute to the DEIA efforts and whatever level, whatever uh, title you have within the offices. I think just to highlight what Sandra had said, um, It really starts with the tone at the top. I've tried to set that at the FDIC OIG. I know Sandra has at education and many other IGs as well, as well as having a focus and attention and awareness on DEIA principles, and then the resources that Sandra also had mentioned in terms of spending the time and the uh, funding and the effort and personnel to devote to these important principles for each office.
0: How will you evaluate success, General Lerner? General Bruce, I'd like you to weigh in on that also, but how will you in your own office and how will you as part of this working group more broadly assess the IG community in the degree of success that they have in implementing this roadmap and achieving success with it?
3: I think um, there really are two elements to it, the qualitative and the quantitative. Um, The quantitative is, as Sandra said, the data, and um, uh, it's important to measure that and to measure that over a period of time. It doesn't change overnight. It needs to be part of the culture, but it's important to have the data and to be able to look at that objectively and make an honest, candid assessment. On the qualitative side, it really goes back to that maturity model and looking at the different elements of the life cycle of an OIG employee and how we're relating to the agencies that we oversee and to be measuring that maturity, once again, over a period of time.
0: General Bruce, any thoughts uh, in addition to general learners about how to measure success moving forward?
2: Absolutely. When you look to see your policies and procedures have incorporated DEIA. Your, your people feel um, like they're valued and heard and respected, and you can see a difference in your oversight work, then you know that you're really moving the needle towards advancing DEIA within your respective organization.
0: Well, and I think that's important in all of the work that agencies do to determine uh, success by measuring the outcomes. It sounds like that's what you're getting at there, General Bruce, is that you want to see differences in the outcomes, not just doing DEIA for DEIA's sake, but doing it to deliver better on the mission of your office. Is that Absolutely. fair to say?
3: Yes. If I, if I could just add to that, also, sure. yes. I think we've already seen some results in the two-plus years that the working group has existed. Certainly the energy and enthusiasm within the community but also raising the awareness and um, uh, the collaboration that we've seen from office to office, sharing ideas, best practices and lessons learned, and the devotion of resources at each of their offices, uh, really devoting time and energy and personnel to the DEIA efforts.
0: General Bruce, this roadmap references the uh, fiscal 23 to 27 uh, strategic plan from the council. What's the intersection of the DEIA roadmap itself with the strategic plan uh, more broadly? So
2: in the CIGI chair and chairs, vice chair's message, they actually talk about the uh, significance of the SIGI committees and the DEIA work group. And I must say, it's recently become a committee, so Jay and I are really happy about that. And then how those committees are designed to make sure that the ID community continues to attract and retain that exceptional talent and diverse workforce and being that model, thorough employer. So there are actually two goals in that strategic plan that are specific to DEIA. Um, One is on a well-trained, diverse, and highly skilled workforce. And the other is on a focal point for collaboration, best practices, outreach, and innovation. Those are all the things that we've been talking about for the last few minutes here, making sure that our people, our business, our progress, And our our methods are known and acted upon to enhance DEIA.
0: Uh, General Lerner, I did a little exercise over the weekend in preparation for this where I kind of crossed out the words inspectors general or inspector general or whatever and wrote in just what some other mission delivery type uh, uh, at an agency. It seems like this would apply to the agencies that your inspectors general work for and not just IG offices. Was that intentional or is it just a a happy coincidence?
3: It absolutely is intentional. I think we, uh, as Sandra has talked about the life cycle of an OIG employee, that's sort of the internal functions within each of our offices. But it's also important to look at the external functions and the actual mission, the oversight mission of the OIGs to oversee the agencies and how they are implementing DEIA principles and delivering services to the American people.
0: General Bruce, as the chair of this work group, where does it go from here? I imagine this is not an effort that you release the roadmap, you uh, slap your hands together and say, we're done and move on to some other project. What's what's kind of the nurture of this over time?
2: Well, we always say this DEIA is a journey and not a destination. We are starting to see the benefits of what's being taken place. Um, The thing that I really wanna make clear as oversight entities, we have a lot of programs that we oversee now that pretty much incorporate a lot of the elements of DEIA. So Jay mentioned the compendium that we talked about earlier. That compendium shows an example of all the programs that we in the OIG community have oversight of we just need to have a different perspective in how we're looking at these programs to make sure that they not only reach the intended recipients, but that those recipients are receiving these program um, benefits equitably.
0: A uh, General learner, in your normal work, you'll go back and perform a follow up at some point in time when asked to or when you get an indication that it's necessary. Is that something that we could expect to see in this case as well?
3: Yes. Uh, one of the things we've already already considered for the roadmap is that it's an evolving living document and it will be updated. I think this whole process uh, through the DEIA uh, uh, committee, as well as just focusing on these issues, has been a learning and growth experience for the IG community and for each of us individually. And we want to make sure to incorporate those improvements into the roadmap as we move forward. So we'll be updating it and it will evolve over time.
0: Inspector General Jay Lerner, Inspector General Sandra Bruce, it's been a pleasure to have you on the program. Congratulations on the release of the roadmap and thanks for joining me to talk about it today.
2: Thanks Thank you, Francis, for having us.
0: You can find a link to the SIGI DEIA roadmap in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. The Daily Scoop podcast is available on all the podcast platforms. If you don't want to miss a show, you can subscribe and get the show every weekday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you get your shows and on any device you get your shows. And if you really like The Daily Scoop Podcast, leave us a five-star rating and a review. It'll help more people find the show. The Daily Scoop Podcast is a production of The Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. James Mahoney and Carlin Fisher helped me put the show together, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. The Daily Scoop Podcast is back tomorrow. Until then, I'm Francis Rose.
3: Thanks for listening.